everyone. I'm back, baby. It's Jake C. Lee. I'm great. Everybody else sucks. Oh, huh. oh no. It's every nightmare I've ever had. Excuse me. It's time to check the link. Pretty crazy, huh? <laughs> but it doesn't matter because none of this has anything to do with the show. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait. You serious? Let me laugh even harder. It's all in. Sure, we talk about it all the time. Really? No. Game on, everybody. It's all in sports. Jake Seeley, your host, as always. And as always, if you're not part of The Athletic, don't know what more we could give you. Because still, if you go over there, sign up at any of my articles, rankings, waivers, the APA, strength of schedule. Still $1 to sign up if you're a new subscriber. If you're already subscribed, appreciate it. You give me a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And talk some fancy football, real-life football, and get to know today's guest today that's a lot of today's all right and this week's guest is uh somebody i met through at cbs did a draft with him last year and we joked around because i refused to take a kicker but uh if you're not following him you're missing out on some great advice over at cbs sports i don't know why you wouldn't be but at bmac underscore sports talk is brian mcfadden former Steeler, former super bowl champion as you guys know like I said, I don't, I don't know why more people aren't paying attention to you over there, man. Just great advice, great videos. Uh, what else you got going on over CBS Sports to let everybody know? Uh, outside of just, uh, you know, giving my opinion about college football, professional football, the gambling angle and fantasy. also have a podcast that I do with my cousin Pat Peterson, the corner for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, it's called All Things Covered. Uh, we drop an episode every, every week, usually it's Tuesday morning. Uh, you can find it on anywhere podcasts are located, and we also have a YouTube channel as well. Uh, so you're able to watch us or listen to us, whatever, whichever one you prefer. Uh, all things covered. We're talking sports. We're talking entertainment. We're talking life and just having a blast <laughs> and doing so. So, yeah, check us out there. Uh, if you, For you guys that love to listen to podcasts or you love to watch podcasts, give us a, give us a shout. Yeah, that's, those are one of my favorite ones to go watch and listen. That one, uh, somebody I know, D'Angelo Williams, does one with Gary Barnage to see like those more mix of everything instead of all the, you know, the same sports talk that you see everywhere else. So I highly recommend for everybody out there if you're not watching it. So first question for you, Bryant, and this one I feel like has a special place because everybody doesn't know, before we get to Antonio Bryant, or Antonio Bryant, Antonio Brown, let me ask you a question. Do you ever rib him and be like, look, dude, you were actually the throw-in on the trade to get me back to the Steelers. It wasn't really about you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, not really. You know, it, it really didn't register to me until later, in, uh, later on in his career, you know, when he started to flourish to be a, a big-time player for the organization that, you know what, me and A.B. basically came to Pittsburgh together as a package deal. Uh, <laughs> right. And, and it worked out well for the organization and – uh, we know how, how the story played out, but throughout his time there in Pittsburgh, you know, he did a lot of positive things in between the lines. Yeah, so speaking of that, let's talk about it because that's what everybody's curious about is he's going to Tampa Bay. Uh, we look, you, you know him personally from playing with him, and there's a lot of talk about what's in his head, what's going on. Is he a locker room problem? Is he a, a good guy to be around on the team? the off the field stuff with the feet and all that type of stuff. But as you mentioned, when we see him on the field, there's no denying the talent. It just you want to like speak to all that in general. And what do you actually think he has left to offer the Buccaneers? Because it seems Tom Brady definitely wants him there. Yeah. I think from the athletic standpoint, you know, will he be the Antonio Brown that we saw, you know, 
going back to his Pittsburgh days, uh, I'm not ready to say yes to that. Now, can he still provide splash plays and be a difference maker? Yes. And the unique thing about this situation, we were just talking about the on-the-field expectations. Tampa Bay, they're a playoff caliber team without A.B. So it's not like they need A.B. to come in to be uh, the the all-pro, the Hall of Fame-like talent that he showed he had in Pittsburgh. Granted, they would take that. I think the fans would take that. But it's not like they need him to come in and just instantly be their best pass catcher because they have a handful of guys that – have become reliable pass catchers in that offense, especially when they're healthy. So can he provide a spark? Yes. I think, and this is something I said on CBS Sports HQ yesterday, I think uh, this move in signing A.B. probably won't show itself how big the move was until December. You know, because I think by that (laughs) time, you'll probably be in football shape. You will understand the ins and outs of the offense. Remember, he basically missed that whole year last year. He only played in one ball game. And, and so I think it would take some time for him to get in rhythm. Prime example, look at Rob Gronkowski, right? He missed the year, and now we're starting to see Gronkowski look like the old Gronkowski to a degree. The last two ball games, he started to really, you know, show up in the passing game. Before, he was trying to get his legs under him. He was trying to get his win under him, and he didn't look anything like Rob Gronkowski did in a Patriots uniform. So I think this could be the same situation with A.B. Granted, you know, two different players, but I think this is a move that will really, you know, reap the benefits. The team will reap the benefits in December football. All right, so let me get your opinion on a situation that frustrates. This is specifically, of course, for fantasy players because, look, we understand this watching the game. Analysts, no matter what level you're on, that coaches don't have any right to tell us what they plan. Like, they're not going to be like, hey, guess what? I'm going to give blank this many snaps. I'm going to use this person this way. But Kyle Shanahan has continued for his entire career to frustrate the hell out of fantasy players. And we see this game this past week where Jarek McKinnon was getting a quote-unquote rest week or a rest day, and everybody was ticked off, understandably, because could you have told us this? So when you see stuff like this happen, and I want to pull it into like a few weeks ago, everybody thought Jonathan Taylor would be the guy for the Colts. And all of a sudden, Naeem Hines was getting a ton of run in that one game or Sean McVay with Daryl Henderson one week. And the next week it's Malcolm Brown. Like what's the best you can say coming from the player side when we're trying to figure out, is it just the coach and what he's feeling that week? Or is there some type of insight of a schematic matchup we can look at and try to predict? That's a, that's a great question, man. Honestly, I don't know because you don't usually see that. The whole Jarrett McKinnon situation caused me a fantasy win. <laughs> I had him in my flex. And I'm like, okay, Mostert is out. Um, the, the most experienced running back and the most that, that highly invested running back, remember they gave him a nice contract about two years ago, was Jarrett McKinnon. And I thought he would be prime. He would be in a prime position to deliver huge numbers fantasy-wise. And he didn't like a rest day, like rest. So, and he wasn't injured. You're saying rest. You don't usually hear that. So that's something that you don't hear. I mean, you don't hear load management in the NFL. That's an NBA thing. And clearly that was something they decided to implement for the 49ers without giving anybody fair warning. Like forget our fantasy leagues, forget our fantasy teams. We're just going to treat Jarek McKinnon like uh, Kawhi and, Sit him. So, so to answer your question, this is, this is unfamiliar. This is, is an unfamiliar question for me, unfamiliar territory, because you don't usually see this in the game of football. 
I'm glad you said that because there's a lot of people that are pushing back and be like, oh, you should have seen this coming after his usage from the previous two weeks. I was like, who the hell on earth saw this coming? By the way, Jarek McKinnon has a special place in my heart because I went to ODU and I saw him in college as part of Georgia Southern run for 16 or 617 yards against us in that game <laughs> where he had uh, about, I think, a buck 80 or somewhere around there. So I, I like to see him doing well. So let me ask you about running backs in a different way. So we have Chase Edmonds stepping in for Kenyon Drake after the bye. We saw Giovanni Bernard last week, Jamal Williams look well in their replacement, but we saw Alexander Madison kind of fail to live up to expectations in replacing Dalvin Cook. So you've heard it. I'm sure you have with the whole, the running backs don't matter. Everybody like, y'all, you just, why do you even draft them? Why do you even pay them? Because running backs don't matter. What, what's the tell for us that we could potentially see and say, you know what, I could see why Madison fell short and why Jamal Williams did succeed, or is it just sometimes just the matchup and the player themselves? It's the matchup and the player, but it, it's, it has a lot to do with what's surrounding the player. See, the difference between Madison and Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook can make the weakest part of your offense look strong because of, because of who he is as a player. And going back to his collegiate days, Dalvin Cook never ran, ran behind a real stout offensive line at Florida State. Trust me, I know. I'm a Florida State <laughs> alum. And he really covered up a lot of holes we had offensively because he's that type of player. And that offense with Minnesota running the football did not look the same without Dalvin Cook. They had Everything else was in place. The same offensive line that Dalvin Cook has been running behind was intact. Um, receivers, quarterback, but they did not receive the same production because Dalvin Cook is a special player. So there are a few special running backs in the National Football League that they have the ability to curve up holes in your offense. And you forget that those holes are actually there. And you don't remember the holes are there until that said player is not in the lineup. And I think that clearly that, that was a big point for Dalvin Cook and how good he is because, like you said, so many people were jumping at the opportunity to go get Madison in the fantasy lineup when they knew, uh, when they heard about Dalvin missing that ball game. Heck, I was even one of the individuals because I have Dalvin <laughs> in one of my teams. And I got outbid by another player in the league that I'm in, and he was crying and complaining about, yo, I bid, I bid all this money to get Madison, and he gave me zero production. That just tells you how good Dalvin Cook is. So right. some players, you have a few running backs that are, are like that. And then you have some running backs that are more uh, – they're, they're more of a product of the scheme uh, um, and what is surrounding them than the individual talent and skill set. Yeah, I completely agree with you. So this next one kind of ties into that and hits home with you coming from the secondary over there with your play back in the day. You see a lot of people – this is fancy too – is they play the matchups and they say, ooh, you have to worry about Jair Alexander. You have to worry about – Jamal or Jalen Ramsey and all these types of things. And then you have the flip side argument where it's saying, you know what? NFL teams know what they're doing. They're going to find a way to get their best players the ball. Well, Will Fuller this past week got a touchdown late, saved his day. But then as we just saw in last night's game, Allen Robinson got taken away for essentially almost the entire game. So this, like I said, this hits home for you, defensive back. Where's the truth lie in this one? Is it truth? Like do matchups matter that much for wide receivers? Yeah. Um, prime example, you know, Sunday night, we saw DK Metcalf play against Arizona. And for the majority of that ball game, Pat Peterson was following DK Metcalf. And if you go back to last year, 2019, week 16, Pat followed DK Metcalf and had a pretty good ball game against DK Metcalf. 
So this was the first time in 2020 we saw someone basically efface Metcalf out of the game plan, playing one-on-one, man-to-man coverage. So there are elite, there are a few corners that have that ability. Also, too, I think something that we should all tie into corner wide receiver matchup is the amount of pressure they have in front of them. And what I mean when I say pressure, listeners, it's about the front. Do they are they playing behind a dominant pass rusher or pass rushers? Right. And and that can also dictate the expectations of the production you might receive from your wide receiver. Because I know there are a lot of people complaining about the the the, the lack of fantasy points from DK Metcalf. You know what I mean? This Sunday, because every other ball game he was providing double digit fantasy points, you know. 18, 19, 20, 20 plus, something like that. Uh, He didn't provide that because of the matchup from the individual corner he was going against in Pat Peterson. So I tie both. I tie, when you look at wide receivers and the expectations for wide receivers, like um, Allen Robinson, you talked about Allen Robinson. Now, Jalen Ramsey did not follow Allen Robinson, and I thought he probably would follow Allen Robinson. That's why I didn't expect to see a lot from Allen Robinson. Um, That was one thing, but also – the front, remember I, I talked about pass rusher or pass rushers. The Rams have one of the best guys to do it currently in the league in Aaron Donald. And you saw he made life miserable for Nick Foles. So if life is miserable for the quarterback in Nick Foles, there's a good chance life might be miserable for his top pass catcher. And Allen Robinson provided some late heroics uh, in that ball game, but for the majority of that ball game, he didn't provide anything fantasy-wise. So that's what I look for when you look at wide receiver matchups. Um, you know, is there an elite corner they will that will be following them? And is that corner a part of a defense that can put pressure on the quarterback? Okay, fair enough. All right, so next part of it, and this is – I'm really interested to get your opinion on this coming from the player side of things. I'm sure you've seen it, but every single week, every single day, it seems like we've got more and more metrics and these analytics and these advanced stats. I mean, you even see it during the games now where they're throwing out the air yards. It's becoming commonplace. But, I mean, it goes past that. We're talking about yards of separation at the time of the catch. We're talking about percentage of this and percentages of that and average this and average that. Like, where do you fall on it? Do you think that we can drown ourselves in too many analytics or, or were you already on the side of, you know what, you can be 50-50, and, but a lot of it still needs to involve the eye test of knowing how to evaluate football and the players without the metrics? Yeah, it's 50-50. I think the league football is starting to, you know, sway to that side with analytics because people seem to feel more comfortable in seeing numbers than instead of watching the actual game. You know what I mean? Me personally, I'm, I'm an old school guy. I, I think the eye test is the best assessment you can get from a team or a player. Um, and some people are just lazy. You know, they don't want to watch a player for four quarters. They don't want to watch a team for four quarters. You can combine both. I don't think it's fair to devote more of your opinion to what the analytics say until uh, instead of what the actual film is saying. Um, so, you know, prime example for a lot of people who really value what analytics says, you know, what if there's a wide receiver who's not racking up a lot of yards when it comes to his average per catch? You know, let's say, you know, he's around eight or seven yards per catch. That doesn't mean he's not productive. Maybe his role calls for him to be more of an intermediate route runner and a guy that can move the chains, especially in third downs. That's impactful, right? A guy right. that can get you first downs, uh, you know, anywhere between 
10 yards to eight yards, that's impactful. That's how you get into the red area. But if you look at the analytics, you know, he's, his average, uh, average yards per catch is around eight yards. That doesn't seem appealing to a lot of people, fans, fantasy owners. But it's still extremely important for winning ball games, And I think that's the most important thing that we have to remember. It's all about winning ball games. Analytics is more about satisfying an individual praise. You know what I mean? Making you comfortable in going to draft this player or draft that player because they have a, a, a higher average yards per catch, something like that. So they can go hand in hand, but I just don't believe in putting more value in analytics than the actual eye test. I don't believe yeah. that. I'm definitely with you. And I think a perfect example is your old boys over there is Deontay Johnson. And like, oh, this air yards per target's not even 10. Like, who cares? <laughs> You're complaining about somebody's a top 15 wide receiver when he's out there. And who cares how many air yards per target? So it's funny because that'll actually tie into I'm gonna, I got two quarterback things to ask you to wrap things up, but I want to do a little bit getting to know Brian McFadden first. And that'll be my first question for you. Are you a Steelers fan because they drafted you or did you already have a favorite team and you stuck with them? Yo, you know what? Before I got drafted, my two favorite teams, uh, as a child, I had two teams, one AFC, one NFC, the Raiders and the Giants. Now, the Giants was my first, was the first team I loved growing up as a child because I was a Lawrence Taylor fan. And then later on in life, as I got older, I became more of a Raiders fan when they drafted Charles Woodson. I was a big time Charles Woodson fan um, watching him at Michigan. So all in all, my first love, uh, favorite team was the Giants, and uh, there we go, LT, LT. I, I got. I just turned on my video for everybody yeah. so they can see the LT signed jersey behind yes. me. Yes, yeah, I got, I got an LT poster too. So uh, that was my favorite team. And then, of course, you know, when you get drafted, you know, to an organization, I would, I would, I would hope you like that organization <laughs> and you love that organization. <laughs> and yeah, and I still rock with the Steelers. You know, I had a lot of success there. We won championships, so uh, Steelers will always have a, a place in my heart, just like. Uh, my college team at Florida State. All right. So next question for you. A scale of one to 10, how irked do you get when somebody calls you Brian instead of Bryant? It doesn't even bother me. Really? You know what? I hear it so much. Sometimes I forget to leave off the T. When I introduce <laughs> myself, I leave off the T sometimes. So the only person who emphasizes the T all the time is my mom. Really? She makes sure she emphasizes the, the T. Oh, does she pull out the middle name too? No, she don't pull out the middle name, but okay. she says the T. Quick, real quick though, am I the only one that is willing to admit sometimes I forget my middle name because I never hear it? <laughs> no. Like, am I, I the only it. one? Like sometimes I had the question asked, yo, what, you have a middle name? And I'm like, oh, sure, yeah, I do, but what is it? <laughs> then I gotta really come back down and be like, okay, that's what it is. Because you never I never hear it. No, see, the different thing. So nobody knows how old I am. And it didn't start out as like a, a purposeful thing. It just kind of became a thing. And it's funny you yep. say that because not the middle name, but I recently, somebody was like, when's your birthday? And I went, wait, hold up. When, when is my birthday? <laughs> like, I actually have to think about it because yeah. nobody knows how old I am. It, just, it became a fun thing. All right. So let me ask you now where you are today, Brian, if you could say today, which was mm -hmm. better playing the game or being able to sit back and get paid to be the analyst? Playing the game. Playing a game? Playing a game. Yeah, playing a game. Uh, just being able to do something I've been doing my entire life as an adult, run around and hit people and slide in the grass and get grass things on your shoulder and stuff like that <laughs> and receive a nice check to do so. Yeah, yeah. That, that was the bonus. Getting paid for it was actually the bonus because that was always – that was my first 
first love. That was the first thing I actually loved uh, growing up as a child, football. So being able to play it, yeah, icing on the cake. <laughs> All right. So here's the next one for you. After, I'm glad we talked about DK Metcalf because you today, if we went end zone to end zone, DK Metcalf is starting at the end zone. How much of a head start do you need not to be chased down by that monster? Just seeing what happened with Buddha. <laughs> I might need 40 yards. <laughs> yeah, I might need 40 yards. And you know what's funny is that uh, on, on the podcast uh, with uh, myself and Pat Peterson, make sure you guys subscribe, give us a listen, all things yes. covered. We just had DeAndre Hopkins on this episode, and they were all talking about But Pat gave a, a real insightful story about the actual play. Because if you guys look at the highlight, and clearly, this is a highlight that will be ran throughout the year. It's been a meme. It's, 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 went, it's been viral. It's went viral. Um, but Pat gave a story about his actual thought while running to go celebrate with Buddha because he actually saw the, the tracking of Metcalf tracking down Buddha. And this is a funny story, but you guys got to listen to uh, the podcast to hear the full story. But all in all, we saw it, you know, on TV. I was watching the game live. I don't know if you guys were watching games live yeah. or what. But if you didn't see it live, you saw the highlight. And it was just like watching a fisherman catch a fish and just reel the fish in. <laughs> that, that's that, a really that, good way to put it. Yes, that's, that's what it reminded me of. But, yeah, to answer your question, man, I think, man, I, at least maybe I can't, he, I can't get caught more than th- – if, if he caught me and I had a 30-yard head start, I'm not doing something right. <laughs> okay, fair enough. How about – do you have a, fr- a favorite career moment, by the way? Do you have it? My favorite, my favorite career moment would be uh, the pass deflection in the second round of the 2006 playoff matchup, playoff game with the Indianapolis Colts. They were 14-2, and two, clearly one of the best Colts teams I think Peyton Manning was a part of that never won a championship. And uh, that game, if I don't make that play, we don't win the championship, which would have been the fifth championship for the organization. Uh, you know, seeing a guy like Jerome Bennis be able to, you know, in his career in the championship run was important for all of us. And I'm just happy I was able to have a hand in, in that victory. But I think that's the most, that's the biggest moment of my career, that pass breakup that led to uh, uh, a Super Bowl win. That's a good one. All right. So then let me ask you, this kind of relates to it. Why did this become a thing? where now every defensive player feels like they need to run to the end zone for every single turnover. What, what, what is this celebration thing? You're on the defensive side. It wasn't, it wasn't happening when you were playing. Where, where did I, this come from? I hate that it, it wasn't allowed when I was playing because if you can allow the offensive players to celebrate and do these little, you know, uh, uh, dance choreographed. moves. Stuff, <laughs> yeah, choreographed dance moves and stuff like that. Why can't the defenders do it, right? It's only fair. It's only right. You let them do it. When they make a big play, why can't we do it when we make a big play, right? <laughs> so See, you're an offensive-minded guy. It seems to be because the, everything is catered to offensive guys anyway. They protect them more <laughs> than they protect the defenders. Uh, they, they tend to pay them more than defensive players, and they won't allow them to celebrate. So we should be able to celebrate as well. All right, as then the here, here, how about this? If you could celebrate right now in the end zone, do you have something you would do? No, I think it would be a group. It would be a group celebration. It would be a group um, one of the best celebrations I've seen was Seattle. I think it was last year when they wide receiver scored and they did a choreograph. Uh, I don't know if it was a new addition, dance move, but it was <laughs> like they rehearsed that thing 
10 times because everybody's on the same same page uh, with their steps and stuff. I can't remember who they played against. I, I think it was a little different. Yeah, they were doing, I remember what you're talking about. My favorite story. Mine's not even still the group. My still my favorite to my in my memory that stood out the most was the Joe Horn cell phone underneath yeah, the goalpost. Well, that was dope. Like that, I don't even care that you hid one under both goalposts. The fact that you did it and then scored, yeah. like that's thing. He that was so well planned out. He held he hid two phones, <laughs> one under <laughs> each goalpost because he didn't know exactly where he was going to score, but he knew he was going to score. That, I mean, come on, that's 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 way up yeah. there. All right, so similar fashion when you were playing. So there, there's a story that my boss Nando Defino with Alex Rodriguez in baseball. But did you practice your signature? So you like were able to just do it quick and el- eligible, or did you not really care if people could reach your name? I by the time I left Florida State, I had already kind of mastered the signature. Okay. Because um, every year we used to have a big autograph signing leading up to the. Uh, the, the beginning of the season. So we used to have so many fans coming through and I didn't want to be the guy that was holding up the line, trying to make sure I do everything the right way so you can see every letter. So I always emphasize the first letter of my first name and the, and the, and the first letter and the last name and kind of just scribble to get it through and, and attach the number. So I, so, I, so you're I, basically B line, M line. Yeah. I, I had it mastered before I even got drafted. <laughs> okay. How about this? How about when you were playing? Did you have a favorite specific something you always wore under your jersey? Like a favorite T-shirt, lucky T-shirt specific? Um, no, no. Honestly, uh, I, I always wore the same shirt. Uh, but it wasn't – it was mostly something that was team issued uh, for me. Okay. How about yeah. this one? Going to college. How – on a scale of one to ten, how deep is your hatred, truthfully, for Florida University? I, I can't stay in Florida. <laughs> I, 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 I can't stand Florida. I can't stand Miami. I can tolerate Miami a little bit, though. I almost went to Miami. Did you? But Yeah, yeah. I'm a South Florida kid, so it came down to Miami and Florida State. I didn't even take a trip to Gainesville. I actually hated Gainesville before I became a Seminole. Wow. And when I became a no, it just intensified the hate for them. Like I said, I, I respect Miami. I respect the players of Miami. I don't respect anything from Florida. <laughs> No, I don't, I, don't, I don't respect anything for Florida. Do you have a, uh, do you have a favorite secret? Real, I guess you, may, you might not want to give it away if it's a secret, but do you have a favorite secret food spot that you love down there, the unheralded food spot? Where? In, uh, where? In, in Florida. Oh, man. I'm a food guy, so there are not too many spots that I don't call, you know, that, that are not my herald of spot because I just love to eat. Uh, that's a good question, though. Um, shoot. And you put me on the spot when it comes to restaurants. One of the best restaurants that I I, I, I love, and there are only a few in the country, it's called, a, it's a spot, the one I went to was in Chicago called Steak 48. Okay. Man, listen here. Downtown Chicago, Steak 48, got to be one of the best restaurants. They, I'm not even a steak guy, but I love their steak. And they have what, and I'm a dessert guy too. They got a red mm. velvet bre- uh, a bread pudding. Oh my goodness, yo. When I tell you that's heaven, boy, you know, whatever you're eating, you know, it's good when, while, because while you're chewing, you're closing your eyes. <laughs> when you chew and you have your eyes closed, you're enjoying. I know exactly what you mean, too. The food. Listen, when you eat and you kind of sit back in that chair and you, and you, 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 you kind of raise your head a little bit and you have your eyes closed with every bite. <laughs> From State 48, my eyes are closed. It literally takes me. <laughs> you want to savor it. 
It's like that extra oh. attention you're giving it. It's like you're in paradise. It's like your taste buds have entered a tropical environment and you're just relaxing, vacation mode. So stay, I, I'll go to that spot. State 48, man, listen, that's one of the best restaurants. I, love, I would love to get a freaking endorsement from State 48. You know how some people <laughs> want money, your clothes. You can, you can pay me with food. I think I'll be okay. Hey. I'm a, I, I've been saying that for a while. I was like, hey, at Chick-fil-A, you want to endorse me? I, I, I'll kill that all week, every day. So, all right. So, two more, and then we'll get back to the quarterbacks, get you out of here. So, yep. first one is just a kind of a theory situation. If you could choose one thing going forward, one thing, you will never, ever be wrong in your football analysis again. Or you could read minds. Which would you pick? Read minds. Really? Yeah, I want to read minds. <laughs> because I think if I can read your mind, that can still put me in a position to do whatever I need to do. Fair enough. When it comes to responding, when it comes to uh, giving my opinion about something, you know what I mean? Because I think the good thing about being a quality sound analyst, you're okay in being wrong sometimes. Right. But the object, the you have to. I, I guess the you, the object is you got to be more right than wrong. And I think if I can read minds clearly, I'll be more right than wrong anyway. Yeah, but on the flip side, you would never be wrong sports again. That was that. That was the other side of it. So yes. Now the thing is, now can I go back because that situation <laughs> is you're gonna go to Vegas. <laughs> yeah, because that mean I, I can always pinpoint the win the winning team. Yo, my parlays will always be undefeated. That's so. Hey, that's what, so. You're gonna go back? Yeah, I go back. <laughs> never be wrong in sports again. Let me do that. Let me do that right there. Yeah. All right. Last one and getting to know Brian McFadden. Uh, what's, what's, give us the artist on your playlist right now that you're digging. My artist on my playlist? Yeah. Yo. Uh, shoot. I got Jeezy. I got Ross. Uh, fabulous. Um, I like that you're going back a little bit. Jay-Z. Yeah, Jay-Z. Uh, you know, I, I like a lot of... Uh, like I'm still I'm I'm rap, you know. I, I like listening to lyrics, understanding the lyrics, you know, lyrics that have uh, uh that new Nas is nice. I was bumping the new Nas. Is it? Yeah, new Nas is nice. Um I can I, see the like I, what was the one with the uh, the Egyptian front on the on the album? That's like that's kind of like where I felt like he peaked and then mm -hmm. the one that was like 4 or 5 years ago I was like, "Ooh, this this doesn't feel like Nas anymore." So yeah, the, the, new one, the, the new one's dope. Uh, that new uh, Bryson Tiller, um, I'm bumping that as well. That just came out. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm pretty much everywhere when it comes to rap and playlist. Uh, uh, the new not King, King Disease, that's the newest one that just came out, King Disease. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Some but, food yeah, recommendations, I'm, some album recommendations is good. Yes, yes, yes. It was, you know, speaking of food. Uh, and I said, hungry. <laughs> I said on the podcast, one of the best jobs I think that's out right now is, is Guy Fiery. Guy Fury? I keep messing up his last name. My Fieri. bad. Yeah. <laughs> Fieri, yo, he has the best job in America. <laughs> yo, how, how can, think about this. Someone pays you to go around some of the best restaurants in America and taste their food. <laughs> and you get filmed doing so. Like, think yeah. about that. Like, we're going to pay you, we're going to pay for your travel, going to pay you a nice handsome ransom, you're going to get a nice bag, and we want you to go to this five-star restaurant. And most of the spots you go to are not really, like, 
outstanding restaurants. They're more like little 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 boutique type spots. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Those be the best spots. I almost, I don't know how I just navigated back to food though. My bad. We were talking about music. No, it's hey, it's completely good. I, like I said, I'm starving, so this is this is making good good topics here. All right, football. We'll wrap it all back up. We'll come back around. So there's two quarterback situations I want to talk about. One you've actually touched on a little bit. And this is why I want to talk about it. So the Baker Mayfield situation. So Odell Beckham's hurt. We know he's done for the year. There's some talk out there that Baker Mayfield's better without Odell Beckham because he doesn't draw the attention, force the ball to him. And I want you to like explain like one, your thought. And then two, because I saw you somewhat talking to that point is it's hard for me to sit back and granted, I never played past college. So like, I'm not saying my experience is anywhere near yours, but to say like, Hey, look, you have an elite talent. You take that elite talent away. How does that make the quarterback better? But the argument is that he doesn't have to force it to him. He doesn't have to look to him as much. So where are you falling on this Baker Mayfield could be better without Odell Beckham? You know, yeah, I mentioned that on CBS Sports HQ when the news broke right. that OBJ would be out for the entire year. All I'm doing is talking about numbers, right, and, and, the, and the fact. The fact is Baker had his best year without OBJ. And when OBJ went out of that ball game – in the first quarter, uh, statistically speaking, Baker probably played his best game. Right. I think he had like five or six incompletions, uh, a handful of touchdowns, basically passing touchdowns, and they won the ball game. Put up thirty plus points, something like that. They won the ball game. So, my thought process, you know, I'm not quite ready to say that just just yet. I think it is a it is a talking point, right? But let's monitor the rest of the season because what we saw last year from Baker was inconsistent play. I mean, how he played so well his rookie year that, remember, in year two, people were ready to put him in an MVP conversation before yep. the first game of his second year, right? Now, a lot of that had to do with, uh, with them acquiring OBJ, but when you look at how well he played and he signed an OBJ, you're like, wow, this man should, could be in the MVP conversation. Total flop. Uh, even this year, you know, it had some games where, you know, he didn't look well. And the interception, he was trying to, throw the football to OBJ. So I think my personal opinion is that when OBJ is in the lineup, uh, it seems like Baker is trying to force him the, the ball because of the talent that he is. And that's okay. But you have to find the common ground in knowing when to get him the football and when not to get him the football. So I think he may feel some pressure, some underlining pressure uh, from OBJ, not verbally saying that, but just I got to give him the football because his presence on the football field. Because when OBJ went out of the game, he started working with other guys. They're moving the chain. So uh, I'm not quite ready to say that's a fact right now, but I think it is something to monitor because the numbers say his best football was, was without number 13. That's certainly fair. And so I'm glad you said something to monitor because that's the last talking point I have here for you. And again, this is great for somebody like you coming from defensive back side of things is we're seeing amazing success with Justin Herbert so far. Mm -hmm. Joe Burrow, more good than bad, not quite as good as Herbert. But my question to you is this from – people watching Herbert, whether fancy or not, from you playing the game, should we expect at some point, like the breaking point where defenses figure out how to trick him, how to stop him? Or is there enough tape out there already that they've already tried and maybe Herbert's this good? Well, no, the thing about Herbert is that, you know, people are still learning who he is as a player. Um, there was no preseason film out on Herbert. So when he jumped into the lineup, he kind of surprised a lot of people. 
you know, played pretty good football. I think his first start was against Kansas City, and they took Kansas City down to the wire. There's nothing on on Herbert outside of his Oregon tape. Uh, yeah, and, and rookie quarterbacks, you know, tend to show flashes because there's not a lot on them. And all it takes is a, is a few ball games, uh, just the time for, for defense to understand, to, to know what you do well. Uh, prime example, remember I talked about Baker Mayfield. His rookie year was real good football. And then it kind of tapered down a little bit. Um, so, you know, the unique thing about the NFL and why I think the NFL is the most competitive sports here domestically in the country is because the coordinators, they're so smart. They're so smart. And um, all in all, though, I can tell you this much, if you're a Charger fan, you should be happy with your quarterback situation. You know what I mean? <laughs> you pick the right guy. You know what I mean? So many organizations, they think they have the right guy, and they feel disappointed midway through the season. You said the Giants. I'm sorry, yeah. Daniel. But Sam Donald, the Giants, you saw what's going on with Trubisky in Chicago. Uh, there are a lot of teams, you know, that thought they had the right guy. And then total flop. Blake Bortles when he was in Jacksonville. Um, you know, and I so regardless of what's going on team-wise, they're not winning a lot of ball games. They just won this past weekend against Jacksonville. But it seems like they should be a better team in the future because they have a quarterback. I agree with you. And if you're going to be a better football watcher, better fantasy player in general, you should be following Brian McFadden and listen to him. So once again, tell everybody where they can hear your podcast, Patrick Peterson, all the good stuff you got going on at CBS before you get out of here. Yeah, man, make sure y'all give us a follow. Give me a follow social media-wise. Twitter and Instagram, Facebook is all the same handle, BMAC underscore sports talk. Uh, check me out uh, weekly on CBS Sports HQ, college football analyst. NFL analysts and also podcasts. I'm in the podcast world as well. Like I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, podcast is called All Things Covered uh, with Patrick Peterson, my cousin, best cornerback who put the lockdown on DK Metcalf this past Sunday night. So I know you guys saw that matchup. Uh, yeah, give me a follow. I, I love to interact when it comes to talking things sports. And, uh, you know, if you do listen to the podcast, please subscribe and give, leave us a five-star rating. Either on Always YouTube or podcast platforms. Yes, sir. Yeah. Always do that. And once again, I appreciate it, Bryant. And, uh, and thanks again for coming on. I thank you for having me. Once again, that was Bryant McFadden of CBS Sports, formerly Steelers player and Super Bowl winning player. I uh, hope you did listen to him and did listen to the fact that he should be followed by a hell of a lot more of you people. I don't know what you're not following for. I don't know why you're not listening to his podcast. But make sure you rectify that immediately and also rectify the fact if you're not at the athletic dollar to sign up for you new subscribers and if you're there again i love you guys i'll see you next week have a good one